Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Book Journeys Radio. We've had a uh, couple weeks off here, and I am excited to be back this week with a special guest, Joe Flower, author of Healthcare Beyond Reform, Doing It Right for Half the Cost. So it sounds like it's going to be a great conversation. I'm Angela Loria, and as you know, every week on Book Journeys Radio, we talk to an author of a nonfiction book about their experience writing their first book. And um, so without any further ado, I want to jump in and introduce Joe to everyone. Joe, say hello. Hi there. And... Joe, I know you are a, uh, a speaker and a writer and a consultant in the healthcare area, but why don't you tell us a little bit about this book, why you wrote it, and um, and what it's about? Uh, this book is, uh, as you can tell, it makes a rather sweeping claim. Healthcare mm-hmm. beyond reform, doing it right for half the cost, uh, and it makes the claim that we could actually do better. We could do healthcare better for everyone at uh, half, uh, maybe even uh, less than half the cost that we now do it. I've been writing about healthcare for about 30 years. And uh, uh, for about the last 15, I have had various projects on uh, on the cooker to write a book about the future of healthcare, kind of a broad look at what that future is going to be. And that's what I speak about. Uh, and but I was uh, I was quite stymied in that. I, I came out with various proposals, and they were you know they didn't get any traction. Uh, and about but something happened about two years ago that uh, uh, well stepping back I had I wrote a, a book called Age Wave with Ken Dykwold back in about 1990 about the aging of America, and we predicted then that in 1992 healthcare reform would be a big deal in presidential politics. Everybody at the time thought that was kind of silly. because (laughs) Yeah, you had that all wrong. That'll never happen. (laughs) Healthcare was not, it it actually was not a political uh, part of the the political discussion uh, in, say, 1989. But we were right. In 1992, it was a big part of uh, of the discussion. And when that got defeated, uh, I predicted in print that healthcare reform would not be uh, again a big part of the uh, discussion for about another 12, 16 years, sometime into the new century. And it turned out I was right about that. Uh, and we, I did this because because the, the significant defeat of the healthcare reform under Clinton had made it kind of a third rail in American politics. People were not going to go there for a while. Uh, but I figured people would go there when people like me, I turned 62 in uh, three days, when people like me begin to approach that part of life where you really need health care, the rule of thumb is whatever Boomer wants, Boomer gets, right? So mm-hmm. <laughs> when we get to that age, we're really going to be about, hey, this health care situation is not working for us. You've got to make it work better. So it would be a big political issue when we begin to approach that age. Mm. Yeah, before it was about when our parents approached that. Right. Now it's about us. 
And so now it's, it's we're not going to – a very interesting thing to notice, I don't know if you remember, back in 2008, 2007, everybody was talking about health care reform. Everybody had a plan. Even Rudy Giuliani had a plan of some kind. Uh, they, they felt they had to talk about health care reform. So I knew uh, that it was going to be a big part of the presidential election in 2008, and sure enough, in 2009, we started to pass it. And I began to see something very significantly different, that health care, even aside from the possibilities of passing reform, that health care had begun to change itself. Uh, healthcare, I, one of the frustrations of being a healthcare futurist is so often over the years um, you see things that go, oh, wow, this is really great. We should do this. This is, this is a wonderful, you know, whether it's a different way of running healthcare or it's a new technology or something. Healthcare is actually very slow to change. And you'd see many new experiments which actually showed they could take care of people better for less money, things like this, and then they wouldn't have it. You know, they'd have a pilot program, and they'd publish very good results, and then they would cancel the pilot uh, mm-hmm. cancel the program. But I began to see, starting in 2009, that things were actually changing in very significant ways in healthcare. So in 2010, when we uh, passed healthcare reform, it was still very uncertain, you know, would it get implemented and what would that look like? But there were these, these big changes happening in healthcare. So I said, I've got to get this book out. I've got to write this book. I've got to get it published. And because what I wanted to do was not just describe, you know, an oh, wow, future of healthcare or here are some cool things we could do. I wanted to describe here are things that are actually happening in different parts of healthcare, that if you imagine in these things becoming, uh, you know, growing and becoming stronger and interacting with each other, these different factors interacting with each other, and uh, un- undergirded by these strong changes in the economics of healthcare, that you can actually imagine healthcare being delivered for much less money than we uh, spend on it now. And it would be better because you can get you can get to lower costs not by restricting people and doing less for them, but by doing more for them, but smarter, earlier, faster, better coordinated. So I have so many questions for you now about healthcare, and I keep going back to my uh, my list about publishing because I like I want to talk healthcare now, and I love how passionate you are about the topic. Um, <laughs> A lot of times when I work with authors, they are passionate about a lot of topics. And I, right now you sound so clear that, like, healthcare is your thing, and I love the healthcare futurist. That's a great okay. term. Um, but do you feel this way about other topics, or was it super easy for you to pick this topic to write about? Well, it was super easy to pick this topic because this is the main thing. You know, I used to write back in the 80s, I used to write about all kinds of things, and healthcare was a thing I picked up to write about. Uh, my first wife was, uh, you know, I was trying to make some money as a freelance writer, and, and she said, well, why don't you come write for our, our journal, see if you can do something. And I said, well, how much do they pay, right, which is the primary question of any, any freelance writer. And she said, well, I don't think they pay anything, but maybe you could convince them to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it sounds very promising, but, and also I, I was like, healthcare? Uh, you know, that would be really boring to write about, you know. 
Um, but, you know, I needed money, so I, I, I went and bought a tie and uh, got my hair cut a bit and went down to their office. And I actually, I actually did convince them. There were some things that needed writing about that uh, they couldn't get for free uh, from various consultants and people willing to write for them for free. They needed some actually reporting. And they, uh, that organization was run by a woman named Kathy Johnson, who was very visionary, uh, which is not common. Or especially back then, was not common. It was like 1980. Not common in healthcare. And she was taking this big vision. And so she sent me out to talk to various people who had some kind of big vision about healthcare or doing something new and different. I found it was really fascinating. So I have been writing about, I've been writing for that publication and its successors now for 32 years. Hopefully at this uh, point they're paying you. Hopefully you got through the uh, we don't pay yet <laughs> barrier. Well, they are. They're not paying me very much. Hmm. Uh, they have, the amounts the the amounts that the organization paid me ramped up, and I began doing big feature articles and stuff. Uh, now the organization that organization, which was called the uh, it's called the Healthcare Forum, was bought by the American Hospital Association about about year two thousand. And so now I essentially blog for them. And, of course, in the blog space, it's about getting paid anything versus getting paid nothing at all. Mm-hmm. But a very significant part of this from the publishing point of view uh, and from the, the how do I make a living as a writer point of view is that the writing has never been uh, the principal income generator. Uh, what it is, is the way to make a name mm. and to represent myself as a uh, as a content guru, as a healthcare maven, uh, to which I began at the point I was doing a lot of this, this reporting, and then in the 1990s, after the Clinton healthcare debacle, I began writing kind of big think pieces about you know. For-profit versus not-for-profit healthcare. Does that make a difference? Uh, these new for-profit chains were arising. Does that make a difference? Um, how do you deal with uh, how do you deal with costs or new technologies? Is, is, this, is this internet thing going to make so these kind of big things about the future of healthcare? And then I began to get speaking requests, hmm. which I have not understood how much money people make from speaking, which is you know, I, as I thought of it at the time, it's the equivalent of being paid for a big feature article, except it, it takes about the same it amount of work. It only takes a couple hours. <laughs> uh, well, it takes about the same amount of work to prepare it, but you can do uh, the same speech over and over again. Right, right. You know, well, you don't this have... is an interesting point because when I talk to authors that have three or four different ideas for books in their head, um, you know, I... I try to help them figure out what's the book that you should write now. And I think it's great to think beyond the book. And you started writing for this publication 32 years ago. Yeah. And it's a topic now, you know, that you have spent a considerable amount of your life speaking on and writing on. Mm -hmm. And so when I think it's really important to remember when you're picking a topic – to pick a topic that you can make a commitment to 
Right. Do you feel right. like at the time you felt like this was going to be something you would do for 32 years? No. Now, in the beginning, it was like, well, I can make a little money at this. Then I began to get interested in the technology. Healthcare technology is fascinating. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you go to these conventions and these meetings and they say, oh, here, uh, you want to try this new type of surgery? And you're like, well, I'm not a surgeon. I'm a journalist. Well, that's okay. It, it's, it's not a real human. It's a dummy anyway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, put on these goggles and we're doing this 3D stereogram and, it's like, whoa, this is really interesting stuff. And and the, the human side of it is fascinating. I remember one time, the first time I went to uh, it's a Texas Medical City, huge area in Texas, has things like the MD Anderson Cancer Center stuff, and St. Luke's Hospital there, uh, which has a big, has a big uh, cardiology practice. Um, this is where DeBakey did the original uh, heart transplant. Right? Um, I actually was in the operating room theater watching a uh, surgeon saw open someone's chest and pull out their beating heart in his hand, still beating. And I was, I had this moment there. I was just agog. How can we, where do you get the level of confidence and skill to literally hold someone's heart in your hand and know that you can put it back in and it will be better than when you started? That's <laughs> like, Whoa. So I began to get really involved with the subject. And, 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 and in, you know, as I became a speaker in the industry and as I began to uh, really feel like I could maybe influence things, I could influence how people see things, I began mm. to feel, this is, this is important. This is something that I can do. I've been sort of by accident work my way into a situation where I can actually influence how people do healthcare, And I can see how we are doing it so badly. And I can see how we could do it better because some people are doing it better. And I can go around and I can show them. I can say, look at what they're doing over here. They're getting much better results and it's costing much less money and they're helping poor people. And it's, it's all working a whole lot better. And I can kind of be a Johnny Appleseed with ideas. So yeah, I get passionate about it. I, I think that's I think that's really exciting. I mean, ultimately, what I think a lot of wanting to be an author comes down to is wanting to make a difference in people's lives and in the world yeah. and policy and what you know, whatever it is that fits your needs. So, yeah, and, and I think that's really powerful. Board. Yeah, it is. So one of the things that gets in people's way, maybe it's people getting in their own way, but that I hear a lot about is writer's block. And I think that you having the amount of experience you do as particularly as a nonfiction writer, you've got some pretty impressive tools in your, in your tool bag to make sure uh, that the time that you spend yeah. writing is actually spent writing. So can you share yeah. a little bit of how you get the amount of work done that you do? Uh, well, uh, number one rule is ass in chair. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, lately, well, lately I've been doing more putting the laptop I, I have laptop ass in chair, and then my ass is looking at social media pages a lot. So uh, there's a well, second half to ass in chair, which is? Well, there's um, when I'm I normally, you know, I sort of limit my social media, but I don't limit it that much. Like, you know, I go through things and then I and then I write. What I am really on a crunch 
like for instance, when I did the majority of the writing of this book uh, about a year ago, last fall, um, I used various tools. There are various apps, for instance, that you can say, okay, turn off all social media. Uh, do not allow me to, to go on social media for either turn off the Internet or turn off specific sites um, uh, for, say, the next two hours or however long you want. And that's, uh, that can be useful. Uh, I found for myself uh, what was better, there's an app, I don't know if it's, uh, I'm, I'm in a Mac world. Uh, I don't know if it's on other computers, but that's called, there's a, one called Vitamin R, which just is a time management thing. You just, you say, okay, basically you set up a schedule. You say, I'm going to work in, say, half-hour chunks or 40-minute chunks or something. And uh, and then for each chunk, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to write uh, the rough draft of Chapter 16 or something. And um, and that's what I hope to do in the next 40 minutes. And then it just starts. It has a little clock there. Every, you know, every now and then, uh, this little voice comes on and says, "You have 20 more minutes." <laughs> and, you know, okay, I'm memory. writing. I got it. I, I'm writing. I'm writing. <laughs> Uh, and it just sort of reminds you that you had intended to do this. It reminds you of your intention. And then when the time is up, it, it, you know, the alarm goes off and says, and, and uh, it, it kind of closes the page you're on. Uh, you know, you can set it. So you can, you can set these things differently. But it, like, closes the page you're on and it says, okay, now get up and do something different. <laughs> so you set, you know, you set, okay, I'm going to have a five-minute break. So you just, it's kind of a way of being very mindful and conscious about how you use your time, because uh, it's very easy for a lot of time to slip away. I think another thing to, to be very clear about is we have a tendency, I think everyone has a tendency as a writer, to say, I need to research this more. Mm-hmm. The reality is, uh, yes, we do need research. And if you look at my book, you'll see there are tons of footnotes, tons of things records. But if it's a subject that you're passionate about and have it involved with, you probably have lots of research. You have lots of things sitting in your computer. You know what you're going to talk about. My advice to other writers is to is to go for the writing. Like say, I, I need to do this amount of writing. As you are writing it, you will say, oh, you know, gee, I, where did I get this fact? Or or I need to know this fact. You know, you know, there's there's so much salt in the oceans. Well, how much salt is in the oceans? That's a point at which the most common thing that happens to us is we go, okay, I better look that up on Google. And you go on the Internet, and there's all this fascinating stuff there. Some of it's about your subject. And it's like, oh, wow, oh, this is cool. And then two hours are done. All the find yeah. out how much salt in the oceans. It's much better to separate out the research. To say, I'm going to write first. When I get something I need to know, I'm going to make a note. I need to know this. I need to find this out. And but I'm going to do my writing. I'm going to I'm going to lay down prose, and that way you find out what you actually need to know, and you also find out there's a lot of things you maybe thought would be cool, but there's no room for it here. It didn't really work. So you narrow the amount of research you need to actually do as finding the actual paper or the actual point of view, or the actual quote, whatever, and uh, and you get. Because the main job is laying down prose on paper. It will bring other things into it. And you may get to the point where you say, you know, I really need to talk to so-and-so about this. I need to interview someone. So you schedule the interview. 
but you continue writing in that moment instead of breaking up and going doing the interview uh, or waiting for it. You you just break up and you put uh, you uh, you keep writing, but you put in there in, like in brackets, you know, comments from you know Joe Smith to come, and you do the interview later because the mm-hmm. time you're actually putting prose on paper is the most that's sort of the highest use of your time and it's the time when you have to be most awake if you're awake enough to be writing <laughs> and you're not like bored and losing your brain like we often tend to do at this hour of the day we're speaking between two and three in the afternoon mm-hmm. um, if if you're if you are awake enough to really have your best edge on writing you better spend that time writing and research, what is that for you? Do you have a specific time that you like to write? Are you a morning writer? I used to say I'm a, I'm a morning writer. Uh, and I do have a definite, I often have a definite droop in the day, uh, in the afternoon. Uh, but um, I've also learned over time that uh, one can, it's best not to sit around and wait for the mood. It's best to say I need to I need to get this done. Be ass in the chair and uh <laughs> remember the novel Dune? Yes, I do. For my this, youth. <laughs> yeah. There's this there's this funny there's a funny quote from uh the beginning of it when he's he, I can't remember that. The young Duke is practicing hyper sword or something with Ufer Hawat, his sword master. And uh Super is pressing him and, and he's, he's like not he's not uh he he's not really there and then Super Howard says something about uh, you're you're not paying attention, lad and he says he says, Oh, Super, I'm I, I'm not in the mood. And Super says, Ah mood is for cattle <laughs> <laughs> And there's a way in which, you know, when you really need to get writing done, you need to kind of say you need to kind of Pull yourself up by your britches and say, okay, focus, lad, focus. Uh, and what can we do? I would say uh, another tool that I use, I think a lot of people uh, have commented on this, especially for building a large project like the book, is Scrivener. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to stop and spell that for people. It's S-C-R-I-V-E-N-E-R. And that is right. available for Mac or PC. So why don't you talk a little bit about Scrivener? It's a great tool. Scrivener is a great tool that is entirely focused on the needs of a writer, specifically a writer, and specifically somebody putting together long projects. And you can use it to put together, like if you're doing a whole series of columns, it would work for that as well. But anything where you're gathering a whole bunch of material and producing a whole lot of prose out of it. Uh, it has ways in which you can incorporate, you know, like you got a bunch of articles in your computer, you're, you got a bunch of websites to refer to, maybe you got pictures, maybe you got all kinds of things you're referring to in your writing. It has ways to incorporate that right into the program and to link it to to an outline. You know, so when I get to this part of the outline, here are these resources that I thought would be helpful for this part of the outline. It moves, moves easily between various kinds of outline forms. Uh, there's just an outline form, uh, and there is one that's uh, like a like three by five cards on a cork board, or stacks of three by five cards uh, that kind of unfold into the various pieces of it. Uh, it just has all these all these tools are kind of all in one. Uh, and you can uh, one of the things it does. It's many people find useful. 
is you can it, it, it'll bring forward uh, just the prose that you're writing and a little box that shows you these are the things I wanted to incorporate into it and some other information uh, and darken everything else in your screen. Mm. So you're just looking at the writing. Um, so it's it's really great for building your uh, your book. Uh, now when you're beyond the building of it, like if you want to format it, you know, and get just the right number of words per page or something, that's not what it's good for. Uh, that's that is the job for other programs like Word and such. But for building the, the, the basic prose, it's a really great program. It's written by a writer, and the, uh, the tutorial is such a good tutorial uh, that uh, I recommend it for people who are just trying to design tutorials to see how to do it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's great for technical writers out there. So yeah. we're we're nearing the end of our time together, but I want to make sure we talk about the results of having the book. So a lot of people um, that first have the dream of writing a book are kind of imagining hunkering down in a cabin in Maine and writing their book, and then living out their life as a you know New York Times bestselling author, yeah. raking in you know royalty checks of multi thousand dollars per month that they can live on. Right. And um, that's not just yeah, I was going to say the uh, the uh, the nonfiction writer's life does not tend to go that way, um, but a lot of times there are things that come out of having a book that are different than what what an author expects. So why don't you talk a little bit about what's happened for you? Give me a before and after story of before you had your book and after. Well, I've always been doing a lot of speaking. Um, what this has done. This kind of book is not about, it's not essentially about making money off the book itself. It's not essentially about selling thousands of books. It's about helping uh, establish the platform and uh, sort of put a stake on the ground as to what I'm about. That's why Healthcare Beyond Reform, that title, is made of keywords that people would look up. <laughs> Doing it right for half the cost is a huge claim. Uh, and it's being made by not some you know, just somebody sitting by themselves having a theory, but somebody who, you know, I have various board positions and I'm a writer for the American Hospital Association, all this kind of stuff. So I'm an insider saying, gee, we could do this for half as much. So it makes a big claim. So you set that claim out there and and you back it up with a book that can really show how this works. And what's happened is I'm getting a lot more, uh, and this was the intent, not only getting a lot more uh, speaking uh, opportunities. I'm also getting a lot more consulting opportunities uh, and, and big ones. Like, for instance, uh, a couple of weeks ago, the government of Abu Dhabi had me down there to help with their team that's trying to redesign their entire national system. Um, we have, uh, I'm working with an architecture, an architectural group uh, on a bid that the, the VA has brought. The VA is one of the largest healthcare systems in America, and they want to revamp their entire system. And so we are going in with our proposals. I'm part of that team. These are the kinds of things. Uh, similar thing with Kaiser. Uh, we're putting out a small hospital type of template. They're trying to uh, totally revamp that. So I'm getting more involved in actually rebuilding healthcare with various national systems and various big healthcare systems in the U.S. Uh, actually uh, getting involved in the doing of it, which is uh, which is something I really wanted to do. Uh, and it's 
putting the book out there is about putting that stake on the ground, kind of putting up a flag, saying, this is what I'm about. Um, this is the message I have to give. Um, this is how it sounds so that people can sample that and get you more involved in the things that they're doing. That's why this is about the field you care about, something you're passionate about, and really want to influence. Uh, that's the reason to write a book. Wow. Not to sell a lot of books and live off the uh, live off the process. I mean, there's so there's so much you've offered on uh, in this interview. Just some of the practical tips, some of the motivational tips. Um, but for me, the big the big takeaway is finding something, writing something, and and maybe it doesn't start with a book. Maybe it starts with a blog or articles or whatever. But really finding something you're passionate about and can can sink your teeth into, and seeing how yeah. over time that you yeah. really made an impact and changed yeah. things. And I think that's, that's just so that powerful. Seems like it'd be a good idea if I oh here's a hot topic I'll write about that. Go into right. yourself and say what is it what is it that you could spend ten years writing and thinking about and being being the expert on and bringing forth new ideas for people and helping people see things in a new way. What is it that you're passionate about? Yeah. Well, really powerful, really powerful messages. Um, I I so appreciate your time and I have about 40 other questions for you plus I want to like get a cup of coffee or a beer and talk about healthcare reform um, but uh, for now we're going to have to say goodbye but I hope you take a rain check on that because I, um, yeah. I definitely feel like I could learn a lot a lot more from you than we have today so thank okay. you again uh, thank you again for sharing all that excellent thank you for having me and um everyone else remember um the the your book is is out there and waiting to be written find your passion and write your book and that's book journeys this week